Hi, and welcome to Second Rate Film School. I'm Andrew. I'm Jake. And I'm Jacob. And we're doing Memes, the TV series. No, um, we're doing the... Sell out. <laughs> we're doing several episodes of the 1967 Spider-Man series, the classic show that we all know and love. So you'll be able to see in the description below which episodes we're doing. We're doing some of the same normal ones and then the what the fuck were they thinking later year episodes. When you say several, how many... So I guess we're doing four, so do you consider, consider four to be several? I think the definition is three or more is several. Okay, just wondering. I've always wondered what the def- how many several was. Yeah. Wait, I don't know if anyone just noticed, but jewelry was spelt wrong when he swung into that building there. I love that fact. <laughs> I also um, like how it shows your friend you've heard Spider-Man in the lens. Like, we don't know who this is yet. So real quick, I'll just sort of give a summation of what the show is for those who only know it for the... Uh, the hollow internet memes. <laughs> this was a uh, the first animated series made about Spider-Man from 1967. It ran for three seasons. The first season was produced by Grant Tree Lawrence Animation. And this was primarily based on the old Stan Lee, Steve Ditko comics. And we were actually watching the first episode of season one. Um, later seasons were produced by a different company, but we'll get into those when we watch those episodes. Um, but yeah, so I think as Jacob said, you know, this is the first time Spider-Man is being depicted. Mm-hmm. There's something I think very um, earnest yet um, pure. I think is the way to put it. But this, yeah, this is before Venom. This is before you know, like Mary Jane, like got introduced um, in the comics in the later seasons. By that point, so she wasn't in the series at this point. So it's very like basic roots. You know, Spider-Man was less than five years old when this first came out. So it's very interesting to see such a early adaptation of Spider-Man. This is before Clone Saga, this is before Venom, this is before all that this stuff. This was right, right around when John Romita had started with the series. It's interesting because I guess the artwork is based on the John Romita version of Spider-Man, but it always looked more like the Ditko Spider-Man to me. Like, especially like Peter Parker, you know? Oh, so is that, that's true though? It's based on the John Romita Apparent, allegedly, this is supposed to be based on John Romita's designs, and Romita and Lee, I think, were creative consultants, whatever mm-hmm. that means. But um, it's odd because the the art design always reminded me more of like Ditko, and I think part of that just might be a result of them having to like simplify it yeah. down. That's not to say Steve Ditko's art was simple or anything like that, but I think it's just a result of having to dial back on some of the more romantic aspects of John Romita's art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, here's J.K. Simmons himself. I love this version of J. Jonah Jameson. This is uh, Paul Kliegman doing the voice, and he's great. He's basically just like a one-dimensional monster in this show that wants money, but that's kind of half the fun. I also love, you know, with the budget of this show, they can't have too many people, so New York is very desolate, but apparently the Daily Bugle's only employees are... J. Jonah Jameson, Betty, and Parker. Literally no one else. That's why, that's why they're there so late. They're the ones running the press. I'm sure Peter was driving out there to go deliver newspapers for the next day. <laughs> and then we got uh, Paul Souls doing the voice of Spider-Man here. Yeah, he sounds like a 50-year-old man. That's half the fun. Of uh, that's, I think that's why... I, see, I never really watched the show growing up. I think when I saw the commercial on Boomerang and I heard... That was the first line I ever heard. I was immediately turned off. I was like, I don't want my Spider-Man to sound like a 50-year-old man, so I never watched the show. See, you know what's interesting is that this, the 90s show, Spider-Man the Animated Series, and this one were my two favorite ones. I never thought about the voice, I think, until, like, Jake, you started bringing it up. (laughs) I just kind of took it for granted because I was watching at such a young age. It actually kind of... I don't like it when they make them sound too young. It always kind of distracts me. I always thought the 90s show hit a good middle ground mm-hmm. with the voice. Here, Paul Souls was 37 when he recorded this episode. When the show he ended... a lot older. When the show ended, he was 40. He okay. was still doing the voice of teenage Peter Parker. I, I imagine... I mean, since this is the first you know adaptation of the character, I... I there's not a, obviously there's not a lot to go on, so I think Paul Souls is, his his rationale is oh I'm just gonna sound heroic. Well, you know, you know, credit to Paul Souls, he used a different voice for Spider-Man and for Peter, mm-hmm. so he wasn't just like reading the lines. He actually was trying to do something because he has a younger voice when he's Peter, and so the idea is that 
he's putting on a heroic voice when he's Spider-Man. And there's um, some precedent with that, with um, character, actors changing their voices for superheroes, especially in this era, um, for the Superman radio show, and then for the Kirk Allen um, Superman serials, they would have dramatically different voices for Clark Kent, and then, you know, put on a very over-the-top heroic yeah, like what you think, like 1940s, like radio yeah. announcer sound when they're Superman. And honestly, that's probably what he was thinking. More so, I mean, maybe it was a character thing, but I imagine that might have been what he was thinking. Just the superhero would sound different. Yeah. But he, Paul Souls actually did a lot of the voices in a lot of different Marvel shows from the 60s. And he actually had a cameo in the 2008 Incredible Hulk movie where he played the pizza shop owner where yeah. Bruce was hiding. And that was sort of as a tribute to all the voices he used to perform on the old Marvel shows in the 60s. Okay. And he's still around. He, uh, I think he actually still acts. He's got like some Canadian web series that he's on that I looked up, but Good for him. I was really disappointed when they had the, um, the 67 Spider-Man cameo in Spider-Verse and it wasn't Paul Souls doing the voice. That's a real kick to the teeth. I was the only person in the world who was disappointed about that. <laughs> I didn't care, but you know. That's how it is. I mean, he would have sounded the same. That's what would have been great. <laughs> you just like could have used the same voice. I, I would have preferred if he sounded now like an eighty-five-year-old man. I mean, he already does. So I mean, <laughs> I, that, that's why I said he would have sounded the same. You haven't begun to see a pointing, Bob. Now, um, first, <laughs> just, <laughs> now the first time I ever saw this episode um, was when. Um, ABC Family was doing like a marathon leading up to Spider-Man 2, I believe, mm. showing like all the different Spider-Man shows. And instead oh. of just doing it chronologically like this, and then the 70s Spider-Man, and then Spider-Man is Amazing Friends, they would do it based on theming. So they had a Green Goblin day or a Doc Ock mm. day. So they would show, you know, you would watch this episode and then it would go to the 90s Spider-Man with a Doc Ock storyline. So it was very like... Very weird going back and forth dramatically. You know, at 9 o'clock I'm watching this, and at 9.30 I'm watching um, Amazing Spider-Man, and at 9.30 I'm watching Ultimate Spider-Man. It was a heck of a weekend, but I loved every Ultimate Spider-Man? You mean Spider-Man Unlimited? Yeah, sorry. That's something we got to talk about. I, I do. I actually, I watched those two. That's how I found yeah. out about that Amazing Friends show. Yeah. It was an ABC family, you're right. Yeah, that's yeah. where I watched it, too. That, this was, that was where I first saw this episode. Um but yeah, this one, I you know, it's not terribly complex or anything, but it's kind of nice how it escalates where Spider-Man gets captured and Betty goes in to try and help and gets captured and Jameson's trying to figure out what's going on. This is like, out of the first season, this is a pretty decent episode. It's mm -hmm. solid. And that's what we're starting for to really show how fucking weird this show gets later Well, well the earlier seasons here did loosely adapt some of the earlier comics, like the Lizard one. I can it, it, They go to Florida in the show, just like in the comic, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. He, he doesn't... It isn't to grow his arm back that he puts the Lizard serum in him. It's because he has swamp fever. Mm-hmm. Um, that yep. might have been a little too depressing to like have. Uh, I lost my arm. <laughs> it's definitely a, a bit of a censorship thing there, but... I say that it's more just like you know they wouldn't want to show something like that in a kid's show I guess I also find it funny I'm thinking about the designs here how Betty Brandt is given red hair in this when traditionally she's usually depicted with darker hair and ironically this is even before Mary Jane with her red hair so yeah. they kind of predicted the love interest and that's the cool thing about the show going back to what I said about it being simple and pure that there's you know probably only like 30 or something comics by this point you know we're less than five years old i think it was i looked it up because i was curious for the green goblin episode we're gonna watch where they were at with the storyline of the comics and the issue where norman osborne is revealed to be the green goblin is came out in 1966 a year before the first episode of this show so they, they were into the romita run at this point um which was like from issue 39 onwards Going back to what you said, Wes, about the, the colored hair, I wouldn't think too much about that. It could just be it just shows up better in animation than than like than black hair. No, I'm just saying it's very ironic that you know they inadvertently predicted the hair color of her, um, you know, oh, his yeah. main girl, his girlfriend for the rest of the series. Because, I mean, I know they would go back and forth with him and Liz Allen when they would do the will, they won't, they with Mary Jane. but um, To a hilarious degree sometimes. Yeah. But she's obviously... <laughs> poor Betty. She's obviously the... Mary Jane so is obviously the 
main one that most people think of. So it's very funny that they inadvertently predicted that, oh, his love interest will be a redhead. For a while in the comics, it was just like constant misunderstandings with yeah. Betty and Liz. And Betty would just get so fucking stressed out all that. She would have nightmares about Peter being Spider-Man and everything. Basically, and... like, what would happen is, like, something would happen and Betty would swear off Peter forever. And then Peter would be like, just my luck. Being Spider-Man ruined my relationship again. And then the next issue, she'd just be over it. And yeah. be like, oh, Peter, you want to go out to the movies with me? Oh, I can't. I have to go do something important. And he would run off. And then Liz Allen would run into him to talk to him. And Betty would be like, he hates me. <laughs> he just wants to be with Liz. It was so great. So, well, this has been a fun 10 minutes, but we're wrapping up to the end of this, um, I guess, saying yeah. now. Oh. So, <laughs> oh, it's already over. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're going to be doing a countdown on the screen, a visual countdown. So when it's done, that's when the next commentary will start. So change your discs or illegal streams of the show now. Alright, we're back now with the Witching Hour episode. Um, if you're watching this and it had the intro, skip the intro. We are just now in the beginning of the episode. So, so this one is an episode of the Green Goblin. And it's just like, you know, it's strange. Not as strange as later episodes got where it became like surreal. But it's just like kind of like odd and just like kind of funny. It's um, it's a Green Goblin episode, and it's like he's trying to summon some kind of demonic force, and we'll get into that towards the end. But I think the first thing I wanted to bring up was the Green Goblin on this show. Now, they never mention Norman Osborn on this show, mm-hmm. so it's almost you know it looks like a guy in a costume, but in a way, it almost reminds me a little bit of like what the original Green Goblin was, Stan Lee's version, where. It was going to be a movie crew was going to find an Egyptian sarcophagus, open it, and release a demon called the Green Goblin. And then Steve Ditko vetoed that. But it would have just been like a Green Goblin running around like this. Mm-hmm. There was none of the intrigue with it being a guy in a costume and everything. Well, that's very interesting because uh, I'm trying to think. Other... It was that sarcophagus. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but other than... Um... Um, the lizard when they did um, his or which was literally his origin episode um, they never really met <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah, that's a great picture um, they never really mentioned any of the um, villains alter egos they're just the green goblin the rhino the sandman so it's very interesting how again you know, when these shows are like 10 minutes a piece um, they don't have that much time like we're we're too we're, we're 20% through this episode we gotta actually talk about it. um that Oh, yeah. here's the so and this is the part where basically it turns out you have to like use Jameson in order to unleash this demonic monster, and so the goblin keeps tricking him into reading like this like ominous Latin phrase, and it turns out that's real Latin, and the uh, the writers actually wrote a Latin incantation into that, which translated <laughs> comes out to Drink come forth, come forth from the great inferno. But it's translated wrong, so it doesn't quite match up like that. But that's what it was meant to translate into. That's more effort than I would have thought they would have done. Yeah, it's weird. Like, they actually put effort into that. And I like it because Paul, you know, Paul Klegman talks in that, like, over-the-top newsman voice. But when he's talking in the incantations, he's, like, using a ghost voice. It's very funny. Now, with the limited animation, I wonder with the Green Goblin floating, do you think they just had the animations on? They just kept moving it up and down for the camera. Yeah. It's very possible. Yeah, I like how Spider-Man will just, like, consult with people on this show. There's, like, one episode with Electro where he's just, like, consulting with the police on how best to store Electro in prison. Well, yeah, it was in the era when we had to show our superheroes um, working with the police. Yeah, they didn't like the idea of them being vigilantes, that they're borderline police. Oh, there's that shot that you'll see a million times in that shot as well. It's interesting because this uses a lot of stock animation, but the actual shots of Spider-Man swinging look very good for the time. Mm -hmm. They put a lot of money into those shots. That's That's why they they reused them. Yeah, they use them over and over. They blew their season's budget on that. Like, oh, fuck, we have to animate the rest of the season for $5. 
Um, if you haven't seen this with the sound on, I would recommend rewatching it just to hear Jameson's voice here, which is hilarious in contrast to J. Jonah Jameson. And it's even funnier when you remember that he's the bully elf from Rudolph. That's the right. Reindeer. Yeah. Paul Souls was in that too. He was Hermes, the main elf, the dentist one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are a few other people who appeared in this show who were miscellaneous voices, I believe, in um, the, well, a lot uh, of the Rankin Bass stuff, because these were all like voiced in Canada. Peg Dixon was the voice of most of the female characters on this show. Betty, yeah. Aunt May, anyone like that was basically her. Hmm. I want to own that animation, so. That's <laughs> or this one. Stealth Goblin. That's just like the Amblin logo, but with the green goblin in front of the moon. <laughs> Classic Jameson. Very self-centered. I remember my, like, I had, like, the DK, like, Ultimate Spider-Man compendium, and, like, they talk about J. Jonah Jameson, and they're like, fun fact, the middle J has never been revealed, so I wanted to say it's Jerk. Or, sorry, it would be the first J, then. I always figured it was John. John Jonah Jameson, and that's what he named his son after. I mean, that's the logical one. I'm surprised there hasn't been like a five issue arc now about what the missing J is. Or his name has been. Or it is J. <laughs> that's that's literally that was a joke on The Simpsons where Homer's middle name was J and he didn't know what the middle name was, and it literally was J J A Y, so that feels like that would be a funny joke for this. I saw that episode. That might have been the first episode of The Simpsons I saw. No, oh, hold on. No, Spider Man's gonna go into this castle. That was a weird thing in animation where, like, a lot of characters were given the middle initial J. Like, that started off, like, with Rocky and Bullwinkle, and it's just become a reoccurring thing in animated shows for some reason. Goblin, you were just in this house at the beginning of the episode. You should have grabbed it while you were there. <laughs> I also do have to say, even though the animation is limited, their facial expressions are usually pretty expressive. Like, the Goblin Spider-Man almost kills him. <laughs> Foiled. We're just having so much fun watching this with the captions. We well, this next part's great, where Spider-Man, I guess Spider-Man summons demon magic here in order to get get the trail on the Green Goblin. Because he makes Jameson read the demonic. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. He's just mind fucking his boss. And I like how he does it basically just by being like, "There's a scoop, Jameson." Jameson's I like scooped. How, I like how it just hard cuts to him reading it. Yeah. Mondo's Inverna. And do you think uh, he would have used this on Jameson? Like, hey, can I get a boss, a uh, raise boss, read this first? <laughs> I guess it's Jameson is the one in a million that would be able to activate the demon magic, and that's sort of the crux of the plot here. Well, it's either Jameson, Betty, or Peter to do it. So, I mean, what? <laughs> it's a one in three chance. Yeah. Again, going into the whole thing that there's only four people in New York at any given time in 1967. Maybe this is why Mephisto made that deal with Peter. Peter's like, I would never make a deal with the devil. And it's like, well, you summoned demonic magic that one time, and like, you know, brainwashed your boss, possessed him. There's very little continuity, don't mention it. I always like the background music during here. They always get their their intense jazz going. Yeah. Well, that is a, like, yeah, the theme song, of course, is iconic, but like, I think all the music in this is really good, you know, especially from, this was an era where a lot of TV shows would just use stock music from yeah, like, old movies. It's very nice to hear, you know, like, the show Peter Gunn was, like, the first TV series, and that was, like, only eight years before that used, like, actual original music. So it's nice to see, you know, they continued on to, obviously. There was, uh, there was stock music used later on in the show, but it was from a, a famous stock music catalog, and it was actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, but here's where things get just, like, I don't want to say strange because we haven't gotten to strange yet. With this, this is like show. a this two is just like silly. I guess would be the word, but silly in a good way. James. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> You're a 
think. Oh, and then Spider-Man almost kills him. <laughs> I'm just imagining like, the hurt, like a hurt locker scenario. Like he needs to be like wearing like the big bomb proof thing, and only he loses his hands. He's gonna blow his hands off. <laughs> oh, and then the demons are revealed, and they're all like, you know, they look like cartoon ghosts in like the intro of like a Mickey Mouse cartoon. Yeah, or the Boo Brothers. I was gonna say it looks a little like the Boo Brothers. No. Which is Jake's favorite movie. Boo Brothers looks better than this. It basically... An animation. Like, yeah, you, you kind of suck, Goblin. Whatever you are, whether you're a real monster or some <laughs> industrialist in a costume. Now I forget, uh, did they ever... When the Goblin showed up again, was he ever more true to like the comic counterpart at the time, or he was just more like a gangster? I'd have to rewatch it. Um, the thing is... They never really explain what he is, like who he really is, mm-hmm. or any of that. It's always just the Green Goblin, okay. and it's usually just a caper he's trying to perform. Okay. By the way, we're wrapping up this next this episode now. We're really going through um, a quick pace on these ones, so join us again in a few seconds when you switch out discs or episodes or illegal streams. Which we do. We have the outro here. With oh, sure, sure. I always yeah. like this because I. Uh, I, I like to catch the brief glimpses of the other villains in here. That was yeah. always cool. And Spider-Man performs the most death-defying stunt ever by swinging off, ziplining off the Statue of Liberty. Just burning his hands. Yeah, one of the most iconic theme songs ever, and it's good to enjoy it. Great theme song. Always, you know, it's silly, but it gets you a little pumped. Yeah. All these people are probably dead. Or 90% of them, at least. You think Ray Aragon is? I'll put it up on the screen if I can find out if um, he's dead or not. Okay. But that was the... Um, that was two se- two episodes in the first season. Now we're going to get into seasons two and three. And we will discuss those in a moment. back again and now we're doing the episode the origin of spider-man which as the name would imply goes on to the origin of spider-man which you know this being the first time we're seeing spider-man outside the comics is the first depiction of his origin i've said origin four times i was gonna say nothing you just said is wrong (laughs) um it is interesting because you will we'll see how it evolved from this you know being very close to the comic to then eventually where we are with you know you later see later adaptations and all the various movies so it's very interesting again like i said with the first episode such a honest simple not really compromised or changed yet depiction of his origin yeah um so let me just give a little background here so we just we saw two episodes from season one and now we're into season two where a different company Krantz animation incorporated um, took over and it was run by uh, famous animator Ralph Bakshi. Um, now Ralph Bakshi is now known as a famous underground animator for very subversive R-rated adult fare such as uh, Fritz the Cat, uh, Coonskin, Fire and Ice, a lot of stuff like that. But he was only 25 when he did season 2 and 3 of this show oh, wow. and directed all of them. And um, He also did the Lord of the Rings adaptation. He did. Yeah. He did. And, um, but here's where, uh, this is, you know, this is a pretty straightforward adaptation of Spider-Man's origin, albeit uh, well done. It's probably one of the better episodes of the show. And then things start to get strange as his run on the show continues, uh, <laughs> for a multitude of reasons we'll, we'll get into. Yeah. Hey, look, it's Archie in his jalopy. Remember when Archie was a thing? I do. It's technically still is. It's cool that they did an origin episode on this show because most of the cartoons don't actually show the origin. And this one, like, I, it, it got it right. Mm-hmm. You, you look up interviews with Ralph Bakshi and you would think based on the quality of later episodes that it was probably, and just his own output, that this was sort of a work for hire thing. But he actually had a genuine appreciation for the character 
and unfortunately was just stuck with limited resources as time went on. Mm-hmm. But you can tell because this understands sort of the core ethos of the tragedy of Spider-Man's origin. You're also starting to see a little bit of the like weirdness of the animations of the background. Like it's not quite like you know ink drop backgrounds like Ren and Stimpy or like the very later episodes. But you're seeing like the almost blurred backgrounds like you can still tell like they're in front of trees but like the sky is starting to become weirder colors so yeah. the animation we're not oh god in that guy's face is weird even the even the people look a little different they do they they're drawn in like a similar style but you can tell things are a little different yeah especially going from literally this like third episode of the show to now season two also there's more than three people in the world <laughs> Well, in the one episode when, like, the buildings are collapsing and being sucked into the mole world, it's like just whole skyscrapers are disappearing. Th- tens of thousands of people are being killed. I'm like, fuck it, we don't care now. We have more than four people in this town. So I guess this takes place in the fall. Yeah. Judging by the... The fall after a nuclear war. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just blacked out the sun and now all the plants have died. But you can, yeah, you can start to see in this episode particularly this sequence, how sort of psychedelic things we get later yeah, on. Yeah, it looks good. I, I, I like how the colors are and everything. It's, it's, not, been, yeah, it's yeah. not just something... What? Nothing. Um, but no, you can see... I was uh, motioning to something else in the room. Um, trying to be silent so Jake wouldn't bring it up. But yeah, you can, like you said, you can see it looks nice, but we're starting to get... Weirder. Well, you'll, you'll see it when the spider gets zapped by the radiation, where, like, the psychedelic stuff comes in. I'd love to We're going to wait in silence for that. <laughs> yeah, like this. Like, the background is just yeah. being one solid color. The hints are here, but there's, like, a real... There's a real story that's sort of grounding it all. It doesn't just turn into nonsense, like, later episodes will. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah, no, it's. I feel like we're in a, like an animated like adaptation of Frankenstein. Like I'm ready to see like Dwight Fry and Colin Clive like you know, <laughs> lifting a body up. Well, like I was like I was saying, this could have been a lot straightforward in in, in the hands of someone lesser. But this is actually very very interesting how it's yeah. done and everything. Yeah, I like how the spider looks when it gets sapped. Yeah. yeah, it's very. This is like a real psychedelic moment. For sure, just morphing and stuff like that. And this is back when it was still a radioactive spider that bit him. I don't know, like, when the official changeover to... It had to be the um, Randy movie when they said genetically modified, right? Yeah, it depends on what adaptation you're watching, I suppose. Because I think the comics now just kind of gloss over it. They just say it was, like, irradiated or modified. Yeah. But it's implied that they didn't change the origin. But then newer versions of the story will change it into, like, a genetically modified spider, which I'm like... Who cares? Yeah, I mean, it just shows the difference in our views on science. So back in, you know, the mid-60s, you know, you have the atomic age when mm-hmm. that was sort of like, oh, nuclear energy can do anything. Yeah. And then now it's like, oh, we're more into genetics. So that's just something I've noticed is very interesting. With the... Meanwhile, in the abandoned streets of New York, <laughs> this is in the midst of the coronavirus. <laughs> Who knew Peter Parker rode a motorcycle? Peter, put your mask on. See, I would say now this looks a little more like Romita. Yeah, a little bit. The little drawn bit. style, like this, this looks like something out of a Romita panel, actually. That See, that's a great that image. A literal panel. That's is that just the credits image with I mean, Peter superimposed over it? It could Maybe. be. It could it. very well be. Of how Peter just always wear cardigans. Oh, I got the village is, people. Is, yeah, I was just gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you. Also, I wasn't paying attention. Was he wearing glasses at the beginning of the show? No. So they took. Actually they, they, they actually changed. Well, they did change that. I guess. Well, that was that was something that changed in the um, the comics too. The glasses just kind of got phased out after a while. Well, I mean, he, the you know most interpretations show like he had the glasses when he was the geek, and then didn't actually need them. He just kept them on to like not. He wasn't like this rainy movies where it's like, oh, I'm gonna get rid of the glasses. So you're right, he did have them for a while, but it's interesting they didn't even depict him with the glasses pre-bite. Yeah, it's just in the comics, like they never gave at least the original ones. And I'm sure there's been 
some stupid comic later that thought it had to explain it. But they just like kind of phased him out after a while in the original Ditko Romita comics. Wait, was he still wearing the glasses after he was bitten in the comics? Yeah. I was? Okay. I, I vaguely remember. Under, remember that being he kept them on almost as like a, you know, more of a, to keep his secret identity up. Like he didn't want people realizing he changed dramatically to not need glasses, especially in a time where contacts were very expensive and very cumbersome, so. No, I think he just never, uh, they never explained it. Okay. It was just it was after a while he stopped wearing them. As it goes. Hmm. Look, a black silhouette is about to run me over. Oh, it's like look at the like the color of the sky right here. It's got like that. Oh that, Jesus that, Christ! That car just crashed. Oh God, he did. He's dead. It's like the watercolors and everything. It's like mesmerizing, but also kind of like surreal. But again, I don't want to overuse that word because we're not on the next episode yet. <laughs> again, the like last couple episodes were like a two out of ten. This is like maybe a four or five at the worst out of ten. I give, you, I give it more than that. I I enjoy. You know, no, I mean enjoy, like for weirdness. I oh yeah. Weird. Oh okay, gotcha. I was gonna say one's one's mileage may vary with something like this. Yeah. But. No, and then the next episode we're gonna do is a thirty-five out of ten. Oh, we'll get we'll get into that. <laughs> Yeah, this is cool. I like like the gradual development of how he discovers his powers and everything. That's actually a pretty good shot. Like, I'm surprised they were able to pull that off with such like you know limited budget. This is you know if you had to pick one episode that you could really appreciate without any sort of like hint of irony or schlockiness or anything like that, it'd probably be this one. Yeah, this is a, just a very well done episode. Crazy psychedelic cream, especially for the budget. Yeah. Now we're right in the middle of the Vietnam War. Do you think Peter? Um, what do you think he got his draft card or was able to get deferred? Like I like to think he got drafted right after the series ended. Oh, he was definitely deferred because he was in college. Oh yeah. Flash Thompson, on the other hand, did not appear on the show, which means he definitely <laughs> did not make it into college. He was killed in the Tet Offensive. Oh my God! <laughs> not going there. <laughs> How's like this version of Peter like has a full lab set up in his room as well for this one episode? Well, he actually has this in other episodes. Um, He'll like uh, that that famous footage of him with the uh, the test tubes where he keeps um, pouring the beakers into each other. There's Uncle Ben himself, Martin Sheen, Cliff Robertson, etc. Tom Hanks in a future movie, probably. No, we got to keep getting actors younger, so it's going to be like Zach Afron is his uncle in the next one. <laughs> hey, Peter! <laughs> like, like brothers. <laughs> uncle Ben! Uncle in like a family, like a familial friend term. I think Adam West would have made a great Uncle Ben. Oh, yeah. That would have been really fucking like just funny as shit. Like to just like him was just thinking of to DC. The Brave and the Bold show, how Adam West played, you know, Thomas Wayne. And I was oh. like, go a step further, bring him into Marvel and have him voice Uncle Ben. Once well, I like how, how Roger Moore always wanted, he kept begging for years. He said, let me play a Bond villain, let me play a Bond villain. And they were a bunch of fucking wimps and said, no, we can't have you play a villain. It's like, fucking cowards. It sucks because they kept wanting to bring Sean Connery in and he was like poo-pooing it. Like, no, I'm not gonna. Roger Moore would have done whatever silly cameo you gave him. He's a cool guy. Roger Moore should have voiced Spider-Man on this show. He would have sounded younger. (laughs) Uh, Maybe. (laughs) I don't... It depends. A middle-aged British man is playing a young kid in New York. Oh, Oh, and reverse color. Yeah, reverse color. Um... Not anymore. I actually, I actually like this scene with combined with the music. It actually really gets you pumped because it's like the first time you've seen Spider-Man. And the weird dystopic Brooklyn Bridge we just passed. That's <laughs> definitely like the real. Do you say dystopic? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? We make fun of the voice here, but Paul Souls actually does a very good job. Yeah. this Episode when he has to like when he's talking about Uncle Ben's death at the end and when he's uh, confronting the burglar, like he's really trying and he he does a good job. He sells it. Hmm. Yeah. I'd like to own that animation. I want to own a lot of these animation cells and then we could recreate this show. 
these like the the famous stock poses and everything got to be expensive. Oh yeah. Especially since they like you could look. Oh well, TV series they did a lot of poses. No, they only have like one fiftieth of the poses you think they do because they were just recycled, so they're yeah. even more expensive. <laughs> like a nuclear Armageddon happening behind them. Yeah, it was like the sun is going supernova in that shot. Watch out! <laughs> Watch out for that tree. Um, yeah. He does like a lot of swinging. I forgot how much of this twenty-two minutes is him swinging around. Evidently, unless the captions were leaving it's, shit out in silence. It's so, because they got to fill the time. I like how the burglar looks like uh, like a Wild West villain in this one. I don't know how that guard looked like fucking <laughs> Peter. He, he looks like a Wild West villain. It's great. You can always tell how the times are changing based on what the burglar looks like in Spider-Man adaptations. Yeah. He's become more of like a hoodlum in recent things. Frosted Tips in 02. <laughs> Frosted Tips in 02. This is like a very traditional version. Oh, what about... What did, what did the killer look like in the Amazing Spider-Man film? Wasn't he like robbing the... The, the store or whatever? Like the, um, the gas store or whatever? Oh, the convenience store. I don't remember. I was going to make a joke saying he didn't. We he didn't like know the because they never caught him. He was the hoodlum guy, but they never caught him. And they never resolved. Anyway, that was, that's a good example. Actually, that's a good example of a version of Spider-Man that didn't quite understand how that origin should work. I mean, it got like the basics, I guess, but they messed with the structure and it ended up being a lot less effective. It yeah, felt like yeah. just like a beat instead of the story itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is actually also an interesting departure, well, not departure at the time, but that's actually a really cool shot. Um, but it's interesting how in the, this version and the comic itself that he lets the robber go just because he's kind of arrogant, where it's very interesting. And I kind of like it more in the Raimi version where he does it out of pettiness. He's like pissed off. So it's very interesting the two different variations of the what great power comes great responsibility one he's just an arrogant asshole he's like I don't need to do that it's not my problem versus I'm pissed off I know I could easily stop this but I'm not going to because that guy ripped me off the wrestler promoter ripped him off in the Raimi version uh, you hear it's just like he's very cocky you know that's an arrogant cocky whatever yeah. it be animation's actually pretty good making him look sad like the tear was a little weird but I Again, they probably spent you know ten dollars animating this episode, so they, it was very effective for what they had to do. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and this great shot of him running. Hang on. <laughs> wow! Looks like he's like struggling to get off his pants. Uh, <laughs> he's like using the stock footage of him like getting his costume on and he would just casually become Spider-Man during this very emotionally charged moment. Yeah. And that's what you do, you know? You only got so much money in the budget. <laughs> Jesus. Unless we got five minutes left of the show, you gotta go over very quickly. It's, oh, they're uh, doing the theme song now. One of the rare times it's played in the episode. Again, you know, they they get you pumped and then it's daytime, so I guess this search lasted very long. Yeah, it keeps alternating between day, <laughs> night, nuclear apocalypse, day, night. All the days blend together. Like anytime they can get Spider-Man swinging, it fills in the time, because they don't have to animate more stuff, because yeah, they just reuse exactly. footage. That's why it's so long. Here it works better than in other episodes, though, when you have the music going. If you're watching yeah. it in silence like us, you're just like, okay. <laughs> it's better. 
Well, I mean, case in point, they did it earlier in the episode for like, what, a minute and a half or something <laughs> like that. And there was literally nothing going on other than, I mean, albeit cool music, but not to the level of the theme song. This does, a lot of the images in this one especially do look like they're just straight up comic panels. Yeah. Like, this looks like this look could have been a comic mm-hmm. panel. Well, there's like a sense of artistry behind it versus the previous seasons where it's funny, but it's like just very obligatory actions. Like, mm. we have to have the character walking, so we just draw him when he's walking. Mm. There's like sort of a sense of style here. Yeah, like, it felt very almost flat in the first ones where this seems a lot more dynamic, dynamic, a lot more liveliness to it. And, and Spider-Man's got red eyes because he's pissed off. The flatness is like part of the fun, but here there's like a real legitimate style to it. Yeah. And as weird as the later episodes get, that's still like, you don't say it's boring, you can't describe that, mm-hmm. that those episodes are boring. <laughs> There's no place on earth you can run to escape me. Yeah, his his vocal performance is very good. You guys would like it if you could hear it. But I guess there's usually the assumption that most people who listen to us have watched this stuff originally. So, I mean, if you're listening to our commentary before you've watched something, thank you. We really appreciate that this is how you wanted to be introduced to the various properties we're doing. It was a very strange choice on your part. I like to think he punched him so hard he actually did kill this guy. This is before Peter really learned how to pull his punches to not like pulverize and kill someone. This is this is an interesting show where you know it's very quaint, but it's not like Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends where it's super sanitized. Like this has a lot of really weird, deranged stuff in it when you break the show down, um, and I think it's just like because the show was so low budget and under the radar, they didn't have to like worry about as much, you know, brand maintenance as they did with future shows. And again, like the nineties show where they never said kill and stuff like that. Um, here, I mean, Spider-Man says, this is for the man you killed and then punches him in the face. Yeah. And again, it goes, I think that he was such a new character. There wasn't as much of a empire to protect and with, you know, being careful. Yeah, um, so the person doing the narration here is Bernard Cohen, and he was the um, he was the voice director, and he did narration from season two onwards. Again, for the third time, we get to, in twenty two minutes we get to hear the theme song, but I don't think you ever get sick of it because it's a kick-ass theme song but I'm not trying to find it it's great yeah I will, I like it when they put it in the episode there you, you know yeah. it's, uh, it really gets you pumped and you're emotionally invested I also have to say I like the deep, we're watching the official DVD from like yeah that's it see that's yeah. Peter is standing on the dock and they just superimposed mm. him over this image and yeah. then put put a web on top of it for the credits yeah. interesting good catch um we're watching the official DVD here, and I like how we have the captions, so we know what's going on, but they include the music notes around the captions of the theme song, and I've always loved that fact. Oh, yeah. That's like a subtitle thing, though. Yeah, I just love it still. That's okay. All right, well, join us for the next episode. Welcome to possibly the weirdest episode of this series, Revolt from the Fifth Dimension. This is when the show really goes off the re- rails um, in episodes like this, and it is quite possibly the most entertaining thing you will ever watch in your life. Fuck all the other Spider-Mans, this is true Spider-Man, god damn it. 
Yes, so a little background on this. So as the um, the Krantz animation, aka the Ralph Bakshi seasons went on, you know, they got more into original villains and stuff like that, that, you know, Bakshi and his team came up with, which were very psychedelic and strange, but on the same token, their budget got smaller and they ended up using a lot of stock footage. And that reached its nadir here where it, um, this is actually almost all of this episode is recycled animation from an episode of uh, the show Rocket Robin Hood. Um, so basically, they just took this show Rocket Robin Hood and they would replace the character of Rocket Robin Hood with Spider Man cells that they had. And then they would throw in stock footage like this and they called it an episode. Um, I would like to actually watch episodes side by side. I've heard yeah. that before. Yeah, Spider Man has mostly the same dialogue that Rocket Robin Hood had in his show in this episode. Um, and believe it or not, this episode was slightly controversial back in the day in that ABC uh, didn't want to air the episode because they felt it had drug influenced undertones. And by undertones, they mean overtones. Yeah, you'll uh, you'll get a sense of that as it goes on. Yeah, it is very interesting. Again, it goes back to what I said in the earlier episodes where it's like, yeah, we're only a handful of years into the series when they didn't have nearly as many villains. So it kind of does make sense where it's like they can't just do... They felt like they didn't want to do the same like eight or so villains over and over and over again. Though, did we ever get an Enforcers episode? Yes, but they weren't the traditional Enforcers. There was like only two of them. It was Ox and... Uh, the um, Cowboy one? I'm blanking on the Cowboy's name. But he was just called Cowboy in the Fancy show. Fancy Dan? No, Fancy Dan was the small guy. Montana. My, yeah. But he was just <clears throat> called Cowboy. It was in the oh, show. Okay. They only called him Cowboy. But so, but the overall point, that's like I could see why they were like, eh, we don't want to keep recycling um, characters. Now, I would, that being said, if this is not the villain in the next Spider-Man movie, I'm going to fucking shit. This, this should be the villain in Spider-Verse yeah. 2. <laughs> that would be great. Make the Spider-Man 67 universe actually very important to it. <laughs> yeah, it seems so like you, an episode of the Jets. And it's like, I expect to see George Jetson fucking fly by. It's pretty unrecognizable as a Spider-Man thing. But that's kind of what's so strange and genuinely surreal about it. And just like sort of the, the depth of like these characters and like the whole like library and this whole universe that's built in like a 20 minute episode <laughs> but like it doesn't make any sense so it's just so strange yeah like you said i would like to see like this in spider-verse 2 and like it's canon to this episode so if you want to know what the hell's going on in the movie you have to watch this episode first but disney won't do it they don't have the balls i mean sony whatever but yeah yeah he meant Warner Brothers. <laughs> I'm just Warner like, Brothers will never do that. <laughs> so that's the um, that's stock footage from the Orton episode we just watched. It's the, uh, the radioactivity machine. And it's funny because you would see that in this era where they would reuse actors or clips and shit like that. But when you're not watching these right one right after the other in a row, it would be kind of hard to notice that. You know, we literally saw that clip, you know, 10 minutes ago versus a season going by. This is a great example of like technology evolving in ways we don't expect where they have all these highly advanced computers but they still have physical books <laughs> and they transfer them all basically into like the equivalent of like a drive. We'll call the, the sphere gorth there or whatever it's called, like a drive. But they do it by like putting books inside of a machine on a conveyor belt. Yeah, that is a good point. About like that. There's a lot to dissect here, to say the least. And right now, if the acid you took that I told you to in the description kicks in, you're going to have a real fun time. Did you give a time code on when they're supposed to take the acid? Yes. Yeah, because the episode might be over before then. <laughs> they, they were supposed to take it um, when Doc Ock... Um, Insert sad. joke from the first episode. Yeah. There's a nice little emotional moment there before yeah. things just descend into madness. Yep. We're just flying over our <laughs> <and> <laughs> painting right now. 
That sums it up, Jacob. Yep. <laughs> Spider-Man. What do you think Steve Ditko would have thought of this? He would have been very quiet. I don't know if he would have approved. I don't think Steve Ditko approved of much with Spider-Man. Um... I, uh, I assume he would have thought this was just nonsense. This is like very like, you know, psychedelic hippie stuff and Steve Ditko was very right wing, so. So do you think if Ditko was still writing for Spider-Man that um, Spider-Man would be a Trump supporter? Well, I don't know if Steve Ditko would have been his Trump supporter, but I don't know. That's a whole other conversation. That we should dive into in three... To you don't want to discuss this guy. I'm just thinking of he just uh, wants to get the library of Gorth back. The, his design just reminds me of a combination of Brack, um, from <laughs> Space Ghost, and um, oh. what was the praying mantis's name? I don't know, I never watched I know it. who you're talking about. Yeah, I don't remember his name either. Though. Yeah, I'll put them both up on screen, but it's like if they had a child, praying mantis <laughs> and Brack would look like that. The Cosmo Magnet. That Nickelodeon slime around it. Why it's green? What? Is that Nickelodeon slime? Is what I was saying because it's green. I think that's PBS slime. Shh. Yeah, I mean these designs are so just like. I feel like th- those creatures looked like they were right off Grinch night. Yeah, actually. Grinch is gonna get shot. Grinch is gonna get shot. Well, it's like you know, there's a point with this where. The story either is nonsensical or just like, you know, so simple that it's hard to get engaged and you just kind of have to appreciate the weird animation. Oh, the solar system. Ah. Also, we're like eight minutes into this and Spider-Man has been on screen for like a minute. Spider-Man is still on that building back on Earth thinking about space. (laughs) He's just up there lighting up a Mary Jane. Get it? I assume. What? <laughs> so I don't know if you ever heard. I I've never seen the show Mighty Mouse, but Ralph Bakshi created an episode of that show that was also banned because it had a scene where Mighty Mouse snorted like a cocaine-like substance oh that gave God. him his power, and this got it banned in '88. So you can see, you know, where this guy's mind was at. So, like, when things here sound like metaphors for drug trips... It's not a metaphor. Yeah, no, it's, like, intentional. This isn't, like, he didn't know what he was talking about. Uh, yeah, still on that building. <laughs> He's just been sitting up there for days. You know, in retrospect now, that there's, like, so many Spider-Man cartoons, and they all... To me, at least, like a lot of them feel very, you know, homogenized and similar, mm-hmm. going through a lot of the same beats where, you know, they got to get the villain's origins and all that, and like you got to do the obligatory Venom two or three parter. Something refreshing about seeing something just this odd and off, off ball. You mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, they would never be able to do something like this now with just like a made up villain. Yeah. Unless it was approved for to, to be published in a comic or yeah. something. Yeah, it would be part of a larger branding strategy now. But no, again, it's like what I've said. It's like, it's such a simpler Spider-Man. It's like, you, they didn't have the empire to protect. Like, obviously, Spider-Man was a big property in, like, 67 and moving forward. But, like, not to the level that was a multi-billion dollar franchise like it is today. Where it was just like, yeah, it's a kid's cartoon. Let's... Have fun with it. There wasn't the corporate overlords nearly as much having to check everything. Well, at this point in comics, I mean, it still wasn't a guarantee of the of this stuff sticking around yet. Yeah, exactly. This was just a thing. I mean, it was a success, but I mean, who would have thought it would have become what it is now? I mean, yeah, you had things like Spider Man, or uh, Batman, and Superman being around for like now at this point over thirty years, but yeah. like. Still, I can't imagine them being like, oh, you know, Spider-Man's going to be around for 50-plus years making billions of dollars. So no. They were just like, yeah, whatever. I mean, a lot of, like, the writers, or a lot of the artists in the Marvel comics at the time were just, they were just works for hire. 
they would go Steve on. Ditko, absolutely. He said it was just to work for hire. Yeah. I mean, these people, they would they would get hired at Disney. They would get hired at an advertising agency afterwards. It was just, it was just another job for them. It's like incidental that it became so successful. Yeah. I forgot about this. Just a little squirt. It's very sensitive to be Spider-Man. Just Spider-Man gets a bad nosebleed from this. (laughs) (laughs) He drops. He's like, oh shit, where'd it go? (laughs) I just love how Spider-Man takes everything at face value in this series. (laughs) Like, you never really got to convince him of anything. They even made fun of that in Spider-Verse, the comic, where they met the 60s Spider-Man and they explained the whole scenario to him and he just was like, that makes sense. Why didn't you say that beforehand? Yeah. Who was the villain in Spider-Verse? Was it Morg- Morga? Morga? It was Moreland. Moreland. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the villain in the next Spider-Verse movie. How exciting. Yeah. Moreland is one thrilling villain. No, we agree it's gonna be this thing. This alien fire ant. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw an Easter egg regarding this. Maybe. That depends, but I I think we'll see like an Easter egg regarding this Spider Man. If yeah. if we get anything from it, it'll just be like the last one where it's like the meme Spider Man or something. Yeah, this is a bit too esoteric. I mean maybe Lord and Miller I could trust to to maybe uh reference something like this, but I I I, I don't I don't even know if they're involved in the sequel. I think it'll be I think those hopes will be founded the same way my hopes that Bionicle became a major part of the Lego movies will be. Oh. There was two jokes throughout all four of those Lego movies <laughs> about Bionicle, and blink, and you'll miss them both. Well, I, th- I, I think... Um, <laughs> if they think Wait. That, I love this. Is this over? Is it, is it done? No. no. Oh. We have a while. Um, oh, we were just getting started. Because it's like... Once Spider-Man finds the alien, then like it starts sucking him into their dimension, and that's where the drug metaphor comes in. Suddenly, everything like speeds up here, and I thought they were gonna deal like, with him holding place. Like this will expand my mind to all knowledge of the universe if I consume this. So that's what okay. it's, you know. You don't want to look so much into it that it's that direct, but that's what it is. It's like he finds the little pill. <laughs> that has all the knowledge in the universe and suddenly he's on a he's trip out of, he's out of control ironically a red pill on top of it okay Elon Musk <laughs> Where we, now we're in the intro to Vertigo <laughs> just super both Jimmy Stewart's face over that oh god I forgot how weird this is how could you forget I tried blocking it. I think in my memory, I knew it was weird, but like I'm like, yeah, it couldn't be that weird. Well, I was just it, imagining. I guess that. it's one thing to remember and one thing to actually see it. Also, with no sound, too, makes the whole thing seem like just some like weird art exhibit. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm gonna have a fucking seizure from all the flashing colors. Yeah. Now, if this came out, that's why it's not on Disney Plus because they would have to put the disclosure at the beginning. Yeah. Now they're talking about crossing the threshold. (laughs) This is God. Listen, if there is any Spider-Man who would be able to handle this like a boss, it'd be this one. All the other Spider-Men would get into like crazy self-loathing and doubt and have no idea. This one's just like, uh, I'm going to do it. I I just saw Bobby Kennedy get shot the other day. This is nothing now. I I would rather see Doctor Strange story with with this sort of... Oh, with this idea, this would be—he would be better yeah. equipped to handle something like this. Come on, Raimi, don't it's let the, us down. The juxtaposition of it, you know. Yes, yeah. it's, it's wrong for Spider-Man ultimately, but it is fascinating, which is why we're watching it. Yeah, when we were discussing the checks haven't started coming in from Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> um, when we were discussing the idea of doing this doing like a several episodes, Jacob immediately said we had to do this one. Like the other ones, it was a little negotiable but um this one was his yeah we gotta do this one there's there's so much to like discuss with this one and it's just Could like, you so much this was just 11 minutes too like if this was a short one which is a segment cramming all that shit for 11 <laughs> minutes it's like yeah it's it's so so strange 
what I love, like, there's also, like, a later episode that implies Spider-Man might be dead, and, like, then, like, all this weird shit keeps happening, and it's, like, there's a theory that that's why all the weird shit happened, that he's dying, and he's just imagining all this shit that, it's, it's like, like, he died at the end of season one. No, there's a good episode, I think, like, somewhere in season two, where he gets trapped, like, in a freezer briefly, and people say, well, after that episode, weird shit starts happening, so he imagined himself getting out, as he died of hypothermia, it's, like... I think that's going a little deep for 1967 Spider-Man cartoon to be doing a whole... It was all a dream. I prefer the opposite. Everything happened at exactly the way we see it at face value. <laughs> exactly. It's just this guy has a very strange life. It's a strange few years for this man known as Peter Parker. When you look, even like when you look at the earlier episodes, yeah, it doesn't get quite this weird. But the fucking second episode is dealing with aliens coming down in a fucking floating diamond, uh, iceberg freezing the city. So it's like they yeah. were getting weird pretty quickly. Well, you know what's interesting is that like it's not like it's just psychedelic animation. There's still a story being told here. Like Spider Man, like the the snake just stole his ring. He's like, oh no, the ring. I have to get it back. Like, if I was Spider-Man, I'd be so overwhelmed with stimuli right now that, like, just, I was I would have no idea what to do. I would just be in a fatal position crying right Yeah, now. but he's, like, so on... He's so focused and on task right now. <laughs> he's, he's, just, blue like, he's walking through, like, this strange dimension. God. I think every time they... Like, any time the artists were drawing a cell... They just took a bit of a rag over like the paint can off that and then just started drawing what they saw. That's how the show was animated. <laughs> yeah, but so here's a fun fact. Ralph Bakshi, Fire and Ice, that movie, this it's like the serious, like medieval animated film that he made. It's kinda like Conan the Barbarian sort of inspired. Hmm. It would remind you of Game of Thrones if you watched it now. Yeah. Written by Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway. Really? Yeah, the who were two famous Spider-Man writers. Wow. They both Roy Thomas took over after Stan Lee. He was kind of like his right-hand man, and then Jerry Conway took over after that, and he had a very influential run in his own right. When he was nineteen. That's so crazy. Now we're in our late twenties, and we feel like fucking miserable failures. You know, we're making fun of this show, and it's like. Bathke was younger than us, directing a major TV series, and we're like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> I, I don't think we're disrespecting no, yeah. it. I think we Joking. actually kind of appreciate it. Um, we really we appreciate it to a certain degree. Yeah. And we haven't discussed the memes once during this whole thing. Other that than my I'm, throwaway joke at the beginning. I am proud of that fact. We okay. have actual things to say. Yeah, I mean... Going into it a little bit, yeah, the memes can be funny, but it's like, the show actually does have a lot going for it, like, and that's like the sad thing that the, the legacy for 9 out of 10 people for this show is the memes and the theme song, unfortunately. Yeah, well, you know, the memes are ultimately, they're, they're funny, they're, they're harmless, it's just, uh, it's weird to me, because I always like this show, so I'd like to see it just turn into a thing where it's just, like, known for the memes, is, uh... It's always sort of surreal. Yeah. Not surreal like this episode, but just like, huh, who would have thought? But, you know, Case there's like a, fun. there's a, you know, there's a cultural media studies essay to be written here about this subject, yeah. about how the thing that's remembered after all this effort into storytelling is put in is just sort of the out-of-context memetic signifiers well, it's very interesting because it's like it's not even memes from weird shit like this. It's just like, you know, Spider Man sitting behind a desk or arguing with a guy who's dressed like him. It's like they're not even going for the really weird stuff to make the memes. They're going for the base level. It's because what you were saying. It's all very like flat and straightforward, and there's something inherently funny about that. Yeah. Whereas here, this is all just very strange psychedelic stuff. So it's harder to make that sort of like relatable meme about you know that was much if I never want to go on again like you're not going to take a picture of the the big alien dude and put a caption that says when you're five minutes late to work <laughs> it doesn't work so 
so yeah, Spider-Man went on a life-altering trip, and it's like, well, time to go home and get some sleep. <laughs> I like how he just like says he's gonna turn the thing over to the authorities. Like, was he just bring the, Did he just bring that library of Gorth to the NYPD? Like, what were they gonna do with it? Some like sarcastic cop and Queen's like, well, yay, what the fuck is this? Is that what this book thing is? Some Stanley written cop or something like that. <laughs> that library be- of Gorth, that- get out of here. If they adapted this into a movie a little bit earlier on, that would have been Stanley's cameo, like hundred percent, just like them throwing it away as a joke. Stanley would have been one of those. Uh, he he could have been one of the aliens in the fifth dimension. Now I'm just imagining like his cameo in Winter Soldier two when like he says, "Oh, I'm so fired." That would have been his thing when he drops the library. He's like in charge. I'm so fired. So well, we hope you enjoyed this little dive into 1967 Spider-Man. Um, we are definitely going to do this, I guess, in the future. This, this was a lot of fun. We'll do more episodes as we go along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So long. You know, until then, uh, don't do drugs unless you want to contribute to, uh, I guess, <laughs> meme culture. <laughs> Good night, everybody.